This episode of Internet Today is brought to you by Purple Mattress. Well, to start things out today, we have an update uh, regarding the ongoing Matt Gates saga, which consists of sex trafficking, drug use, misappropriation of funds, and so on and so forth. On our most recent episode of Weekly Weird News, we spoke about the latest accusations that had been revealed involving escorts, gangbangs, and mounds of cocaine, some of which allegedly took place at GOP after parties in Florida. With, well, all this uh, new salacious information was trickling out bit by bit, the real hammer was about to fall as it was announced last week that Gates's friend, wingman, and alleged co-conspirator, former state tax collector Joel Greenberg, was about to plead guilty to offenses including sex trafficking while agreeing to cooperate with federal investigators as part of a plea deal. In case you're not up to speed on all this Matt Gates stuff, we have at least three videos <laughs> explaining everything as it happened that we'll link in the description. If you check our video tab, they're all the ones with Matt Gates's face on them. Yes. Um, but to recap, briefly, Republican congressman and Trump loyalist Matt Gates has been wrapped up in a scandal which alleges that he, among other things, has engaged in prostitution, drug use, sleeping with an underage woman, and potential sex trafficking. Uh, there's also the very strange Tucker Carlson interview with Gates from when the story broke. Uh, there's a tale about a missing FBI agent. There's rumors of extortion. There's Nestor. Yeah. That adult, Matt Gates's adult fake son who is not his son, unless maybe he is, which <laughs> that would open up another massive can of worms and... That might actually come up as we progress through everything else. There's, uh, you know, it never ends. There's no shortage. No. But all of the most recent problems for Gates stem directly from Greenberg, who was arrested last year and has been singing like a bird ever since in order to get a reduced sentence of his own. And like we said before, it was announced that Greenberg would plead guilty and then fully cooperate with the feds. And that's exactly what happened on Monday morning of this week in the U.S. District Court in Orlando, Florida. From Politico, a former friend and ally of Representative Matt Gates formally pleaded guilty Monday to multiple federal charges, including sex trafficking a minor, ID theft, stalking, and fraud, bringing his broad crime spree to an end and officially marking a new chapter in the investigation of the embattled congressman. Now, we should point out that uh, this guy Greenberg, he was originally facing 33 federal charges initially, and uh, he settled on just pleading guilty to six. Now, those six are obviously incredibly serious, but there's a certainly a certain reason why more than two dozen charges seem to have just disappeared. Yeah. So the article says this. The 84-page plea agreement. Greenberg, 84 pages. <laughs> it's about a lot of confessions to make there. Yeah. 84-page plea agreement that Greenberg formally signed off on in U.S. District Court does not mention Gates or anyone else by name, but it states that the victim of the sex trafficking had sex with other men while she was 17. Uh, aside from Gates, sources close to the investigation say prosecutors are also examining a former employee of Greenberg's in Seminole County office, a co-conspirator of Greenberg's who allegedly was involved in defrauding a coronavirus relief fund, and at least one associate of Gates's. Also, while Greenberg appeared to get a break from prosecutors by only pleading to six of the 33 charges, he's still facing the mandatory minimum prison sentence of 12 years. Quote, He's looking at so much time that the only reason you would plead guilty to something like this because A, you have absolutely no defense, or B, you're looking for the reduction in sentence of the century. As for Gates himself, as of the time we wrote this article, the most recent statement that he gave was during a speech in Ohio on Saturday where he claimed that, uh, I'm being falsely accused of exchanging money for naughty favors. Yet, Congress has reinstated a process that legalizes the corrupt act of exchanging money for favors through earmarks, and everybody knows that that's... The corruption. Please look over here. Also, naughty favors. Uh, that's a really 
weird way to say underage naughty sex drives. Yeah. So, <laughs> underage sex trafficking. Some naughty favors. Interesting spin. And his uh, his main spokesman is uh, this guy Harlan Hill, who just gets corn cobbed on Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm. But he uh, his his defense is just like, well, you know, one of the charges that Greenberg uh, is pleading guilty to was uh, blackmailing someone and uh, claiming they had sex when they actually didn't. So sounds like that's what's happening here. Yep. Open and shut case. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we'll have to see what the real wow. story is as it, this plays if out. If that's the case, good job, Joel Greenberg, uh, tricking uh, the entire FBI into thinking you had dirt on someone when you were actually up to your old tricks. Yeah, and if it plays out like that, I'm sure that they're going to go easy on you, Wink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is obviously, as we've said many times before, going to be playing out over the next wink, uh, weeks, if not months. Um, but this is uh, the biggest thing that's happened so far in the case. So... We'll see what happens next. Uh, Moving on to our main story, though, which uh, also includes bitter court battles. It looks like the legacy of Bob Ross is uh, actually a lot more scandalous than we ever could have anticipated. But uh, also makes a lot of sense in some retrospect. Now, to be clear, you can breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief, though, uh, because the information regarding Bob Ross, the human being, isn't anything too horrific outside of his involvement in cutthroat business deals. Uh, and apparently the occasional fling here and there. Just uh, doing some naughty stuff. <laughs> uh, but the company that bears his name and represents his likeness also owns his intellectual property and has profited off of him since before his PBS series, The Joy of Painting. Uh, they seem like they might be total dicks. Yeah, this is crazy. So yeah. on Monday this week, a lengthy, very detailed article from the Daily Beast was published titled Sex, Deceit, and Scandal, The Ugly War Over Bob Ross's Ghost. And before we get into some of the new information that stood out, if you have even a passing interest in Bob Ross or the joy of painting, we highly suggest heading over to read this entire article because it is a fantastic read. It's very long, very, very detailed, and it is it, it, if you have any interest at all, you're going to find it fascinating. But to summarize, Bob Ross and his family, despite his attempts to change things as he was dying from cancer back in the mid-90s, apparently had little to no control over his likeness, his products, or his intellectual property towards the end of his life. And uh, once he passed away, his family, including his son Steve, who appeared on numerous episodes, they essentially had no control and no financial stake in everything that Bob Ross had built over his art career. Yeah, the whole article is filled with information about messy business dealings between uh, both Bob Ross and Bob Ross Inc. Uh, That's the company that was formed that has his name on it, Mm -hmm. uh, including the information that was already out there about how Bob had pretty much copied everything that made him successful directly from his mentor, Bill Alexander, right down to the PBS show and art supplies that would bear his name. Bill Alexander was entirely responsible for Bob Ross. He taught him how to paint. He gave him his first paying gigs as a painter. Uh, Bill had a painting show on PBS that predated Bob. Uh, He had used specific phrases like happy little. Mm -hmm. uh, And he also developed custom-made paints and painting equipment that he sold. Everything seemed to be fine between Bob and Bill for quite a while, with Bill even supporting Bob's show on PBS and seeing it as a passing of the torch. But then Bob uh, got into the business of selling branded art supplies, specifically the fact that Bob's brushes and paints were almost pretty much exactly identical ripoffs of brushes and paints that Bill had developed himself which was seen as an act of betrayal, and that caused Bill Alexander to break down emotionally and just never speak to Bob again. Damn, Bob. Yeah. 
But again, at this point, it was a full-fledged business and one that had been given a big start by a couple who'd basically invested in Bob Ross from his early days in the art world, Annette and Walt Kowalski. They'd met Bob in Florida after finding interest in Bill Alexander's method of painting as Bob was one of his traveling teachers. They convinced him to head up to the D.C. area where they lived and do some classes there in exchange for some pay as well as room and board. Uh, there's a lot more here about exactly how and when Bob broke through and got his own show on PBS that would then elevate him to nationwide stardom. Uh, again, the whole thing, very long, very interesting. But we'll move ahead to the crazier bits. Yeah. Bob rose to fame with his show on PBS, and the business venture between Bob, his wife, and the Kowalskis was an even partnership with each of them owning a part of the business, a business that by the early 90s was generating around half a million dollars each year for the partners to divide. Yeah, um, more money, more problems, though, because the business relationship between Bob Ross and his partners was about to get real frustrating. From the article, the downward trajectory appears to have started in 1992 when Bob's second wife died of cancer. As a result of the company's structure, her stock was divided equally among the surviving three partners. Thus, after her death, Bob only owned one third of the company that bore his name, a situation that could not have sat well with a man who was used to being in charge. Now, from there, it seemed as though it was a constant fight between Bob Ross trying to keep some shred of ownership of his name and IP and the Kowalskis doing everything they could to own everything outright, all of which hit a fever pitch when Bob was diagnosed with lymphoma. From the article, right after Bob learned about his lymphoma and its grim prognosis, and only a handful of days before his final Joy of Painting episode aired, he received a fax from Walt Kowalski that was, for all intents and purposes, a declaration of war. It was a six-page contract full of legalese and posturing, all with a single purpose. Complete and total ownership over Bob Ross, his name, his likeness, and anything and everything he had ever touched or created forever. Now, Bob never signed those documents, but it apparently didn't matter because the Kowalskis would end up taking everything anyway, despite a last-minute change to his will that declared the rights to his name would go to his half-brother and his son, Steve. After he passed, there was a bunch of pretty reprehensible claims about the way that the Kowalskis and Bob Ross, Inc. handled things. And in a lot of cases where they sued people over Bob's likeness, news headlines would read, Bob Ross, Inc. sues blah, 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 which it made it seem like Bob's actual estate was doing something that was completely out of character for him. Like, wow, Bob Ross, very litigious. Yeah, one of the main things, and it sucks, was uh, Bob wanted to appear on this children's program, and so he was as a guest, and then it aired, and Bob Ross, Inc. sued, I believe it was PBS, and the children's program for including Bob Ross in it. What the fuck? Uh, even though that eventually got turned around because Bob Ross had started recording phone calls towards the end of his mm. life because his memory was going, and they had a recording of him telling the Kowalskis that he was doing the show and then being like, oh, that's fine. But they sued anyway. Uh -huh. There's a whole lot of other stuff about them trying to recoup money that was spent that uh, gets pretty bad. Uh, but again, go read the article Are these for that. people still alive? Uh, so their daughter runs everything now. Oh, so they were able to pass on their stake to uh, their heirs. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, one of the main things that's pointed out in the article, though, is the reasoning, kind of the reasoning behind his son Steve's disappearance over the years. As you'll remember, or if you watch the streams or wherever you get your joy of painting, Steve Ross appears all the time in the series as a guest painter. And he's just as good as his father. Mm. Very calm. Very nice voice. It would have been great if he had had his own show. Yeah. Now, apparently, Bob Ross, Inc. made it clear to Steve that he could never do anything related to art or participate in the art world or use his name or his father's name to make a profit. What? Uh, as Steve recalled to the Daily Beast, he always remembered a phone call that he received back in 1995. 
Annette called me two days after my dad died and she said, I want you to listen to me carefully. Any Bob Ross art products, anything related to art or painting, you can never ever make those, distribute those, create a business around those, nothing. But if you would like to, you can do anything not painting or art related that you want. Fuck you. You can do Bob Ross pickles, Bob Ross shoes, Bob Ross whatever. But you cannot put the Ross name on a painting or art related product, period, ever for the rest of your life. So that's fucked up. But yeah, first of all, Steve is alive. Yeah. Uh, He's actually back to doing art and teaching classes. And that is almost directly a result of a website you're probably all pretty familiar with, Twitch. Yep. Uh, Obviously, things had calmed over the years and even decades after Bob's death because basically two new generations had grown up with little to no awareness of the man or the program, or at least not as high of an interest in it. But that all changed when the Kowalski's daughter took over for her parents at Bob Ross, Inc., at one point, they were approached for a deal with Twitch when the live streaming platform was looking to uh, broaden its scope outside of gaming. And she almost didn't go for it until a younger family member urged her to do it. Uh, from the article, she said yes to the proposal, and in short order, the Twitch marathon launched Bob Ross into a new stratosphere. Twitch.tv woke up the world, Joan told the online journal Vocative in 2015, around the time of the marathon. They made everybody remember their childhood again, even though we've always been here. We are freaking out. Uh, we... <laughs> It continues, the Bob Ross renaissance opened up a whole new world of money-making opportunities. Jansen and a separate brand management company named Firefly supercharged the Bob Ross branding business and the money started rolling in. So yeah, the Bob Ross brand was again bringing in money and this time it was more than ever. Starting a few years back and even now, you can't escape the Bob Ross merchandise he's got explosion. Funko Pops. Yeah, he's got uh, that uh, the Chia Pet. He's yeah. got everything. Uh, and... That is by design, and it has a lot to do with Twitch exposing him to a new generation Mm -hmm. and an old generation that was looking for ways ways to stream his show. Because of Twitch, Bob was once again a household name, and honestly, probably bigger than he'd ever been. And that's when Bob's son Steve got involved and eventually sued the Kowalskis over his dad's name. Quote, after a year of claims and counterclaims and depositions about odorless thinner, brush beater racks, bungee cord easels, and other items one imagines made their first ever appearances in federal court, the lawyers had finally made their cases. That fall, almost a quarter century after Bob's death, a judge in Virginia set to the task of determining where the world's most famous TV artist should reside in perpetuity. Continues, six months later, he rendered his decision. In his view, Bob had in fact given all of his intellectual property to Bob Ross Inc. during his lifetime via oral contracts that would have been confirmed by written contracts if the written contracts had existed. No matter, apparently, that the written contracts did not exist. Thus, the final amendment to the will was irrelevant since the intellectual property in question was, by that time, not Bob's to give to anyone else. In other words, Bob Ross Inc. owned it all. So yeah, Steve was not able to appeal the decision because he uh, couldn't afford it and didn't want to stay tied up in an ongoing lawsuit. But he was able to finally strike a deal with the company who now owned his father's ghost. Uh, in exchange for a modest payment, Steve gave up his claims on Bob's intellectual property. Uh, most importantly for him, perhaps, Bob Ross Inc. gave him the clearance to move forward with his business using his name and the right uh, under non-disclosure agreements to show some terms of settlement to prospective business partners who might be fearful of a Bob Ross Inc. lawsuit if they were to get into bed with Steve. Yeah, basically, look, you're free to do some art stuff now and companies that want to work with you shouldn't be scared of us yeah. them, like they have been for 25 This is y- fucking years. wild. Yeah. So in the end, Steve could get back into painting with his father's method, doing classes and even releasing his own line of products with his name. 
Uh, and since then, he has begun to pop up more and more, teaching classes and appearing in interviews and workshops, something that he hadn't done in decades. And this is one of those things where I remember on the initial Twitch marathon, it was like, why isn't his son yeah, doing this? what happened to that guy? His son is very chill. He's got a cool mullet. Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't have that now, but... Uh, where is Steve Ross? And, and back then, it was an actual question because no one had heard from him. Yeah. He had essentially disappeared off the face of the earth. But so he is back. He's been doing workshops. Uh, you can find video interviews of him on YouTube. Um, and that's where things are right now, at least. Uh, and it also explains why you've seen just Bob Ross action figures, shirts, and even that horrific Mountain Dew commercial with him in it everywhere. When I saw that commercial, I was like, something's wrong here. Yeah. This is kind of messed up. Like, I get the Chia Pet and the action figures and stuff, but Bob Ross drinking Mountain Dew while painting just doesn't sit right with yeah, me. Yeah, I don't know. It's fucked up. Again, full article in the description. There is a lot to get through there. And there's also a documentary coming out this summer on HBO Max. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to dive into the more, like, legal crazy side of things, but who knows? But yeah, it was quite a ride reading this whole thing. Uh, way more than you would have ever assumed went on behind the scenes of those happy little trees. Yeah. So uh, that's very disappointing. It's yeah. sad. Yeah. Anyway, before we get to the rest of the news today, let's take a quick second to thank today's sponsor, Purple Mattress. As the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable, we're all looking for as much comfort as we can get. There's just so much going on right now, we're all finally getting back out into the world, realizing that it's still exhausting, and we're also way more aware of our personal space. Mm-hmm. But back at home, You can always count on the comfort of a Purple mattress. That's because Purple is comfort reinvented. Only Purple has The Grid, a stretchy gel material that's amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips. We don't know how it does it. It's just fantastic. But because of how it's designed, The Grid doesn't trap air. Air actually circulates and flows through it, so you'll never overheat. The grid bounces back as you move and shift, unlike memory foam, which remembers everything and has craters and divots. Hey, right now, you can try Purple Mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is also available. Uh, We got pillows from Purple, and as we've said before... My favorite pillow I've ever had. They are fantastic. I love it. It's uh, The grid. Yeah. Great. Great. Keeps your head cool. Yeah, and especially, it's getting into summertime now. It's already getting hot out, especially here in Southern California, and... uh, it's very nice to stay cool at, at night without just running the AC and ruining the environment. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. And right now, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash todaydaily10 and use promo code todaydaily10. That is purple.com slash todaydaily10, promo code todaydaily10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash todaydaily10, promo code todaydaily10. Terms apply. All right, back into the news with even more confirmations that UFOs are real and they are apparently everywhere. Uh, There's so many goddamn UFOs that we can't keep track of all of them and the United States has had to restart a program dedicated to tracking them. Uh, All of this info coming out recently and over the past few years, uh, like we said in a video that we did I don't know, two weeks ago about <laughs> this happening. It just more. keeps coming up. Uh, this is, of course, leading into a disclosure in Congress from the U.S. military on the topic of UFOs. Like, officially, the government agencies will be disclosing to government leaders in public what we know about these unidentified flying objects and once again confirming their existence. Uh, the Director of National Intelligence and the Secretary of Defense are ordered to deliver a report on the sighting sometime in June. But as we said, the road leading up to this meeting has been littered with more and more confirmations from people in the military who either worked within the program or were the actual witnesses to what they now call 
unidentified aerial phenomena. You can call it a UAP all you want. We yeah. know what it really is. I'm trying to throw me off the trail. A UFO. So yeah, leading up to this past Sunday's episode of 60 Minutes, which featured an interview with Luis Elizondo, a military veteran who worked in intelligence and was later involved in the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, there was yet another video leak of a UFO sighting directly from a Navy aircraft, this time off the coast of California, San Diego. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's... The that, Navy some is, of the old ones uh, came from there, too, because that's a, a huge training ground. Yeah, the Navy between. and the Marines, uh, they, they got a big presence down there. Yeah. Uh, from NBC News coverage of the uh, leaked footage, the video was captured in July 2019 by Navy aircraft and recorded in the USS Omaha's Combat Information Center, according to the filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. The clip appears to show a spherical object flying above the water for a few minutes near San Diego before it vanishes. It splashed, military personnel can be heard saying in the video. The Defense Department confirmed that the clip was recorded by Navy personnel and said it will be reviewed by the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, a panel established last year to gain insight into the nature and origins of such objects. Christopher Mellon, a top defense official in the Clinton and George W. Bush administration, said in an interview that there was a lot of continuity between recent reports of unidentified objects and reports dating back decades. What we're seeing are a number of distinct and different things, he said. Sometimes we're seeing a 50-foot object that can travel at hypersonic speeds and seemingly go into orbit or come down from altitudes of potentially above 100,000 feet. Wow. That's high. Uh, as for the actual 60 Minutes episode that aired this past Sunday, uh, consisted of an interview helmed by correspondent Bill Whitaker with the previously mentioned Louis uh, Elizondo, as well as two former Navy pilots who had witnessed these objects firsthand. Uh, here are some of the more interesting moments from that interview. Bill Whitaker. So what you're telling me is that UFOs, unidentified flying objects, are real. Louis Elizondo. Bill, I think we're beyond that already. The government has already stated for the record that they're real. I'm not telling you that. The United States government is telling you that. Uh, Elizondo goes on to say, I'm not telling you that, that it doesn't sound wacky. What I'm telling you is it's real. The question is, what is it? What are its intentions? What are its capabilities? Imagine a technology that can do six to 700 G-forces that can fly at 13,000 miles per hour, that can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space. I know, by the way, it has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet still can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're seeing. <laughs> Whitaker then asks, so what do you say to the skeptics? It's refracted light, weather balloons, a rocket being launched, Venus. To which Elizondo replies, in some cases, there are simple explanations for what people are witnessing, but there are some that are not. We're not just simply jumping to a conclusion and saying, oh, that's a UAP out there. We're going through our due diligence. Is it some sort of new type of cruise missile technology that China has developed? Is it some sort of high altitude balloon that's conducting reconnaissance? Ultimately, when you have exhausted all of those what ifs and you're still left with the fact that this is in our airspace and it's real, that's when it becomes compelling. That's when it comes problematic. And as for those former Navy pilots, uh, quote, the Pentagon confirms these are images of objects it can't identify. Lieutenant Graves told us pilots training off the Atlantic coast see things like that all the time. Ryan Graves says, every day, every day for at least a couple years. Bill Whitaker says, wait a minute, every day for a couple of years? Ryan Graves says, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, every day, bro. It's every day, bro, with the <laughs> UAP flow. Yeah. Uh, the segment then delves into further conversations with the pilots and other members of the military. And despite decades of combined knowledge and experience, it seems pretty unanimous that none of them can explain exactly what they've seen. Yeah. Uh, we'll leave a link to that whole interview and segment below. But yeah, this is definitely all building up to what's uh, going to be released publicly in June. I mean, 
then again, I mean, who knows if the full scope of what's out there will be released. I have my doubts. There's been a few times in the past few years where they, they talk about something being declassified or whatever, and it's just like, you get nothing. Yeah. At the last minute, they just fucking... You get, you get just a bunch of pages of redactions. Well, and a lot of this is like kind of what happened last time is is Tom DeLonge went out there and leaked it, and the big reveal was, yeah, that's re- that, that's confirmed. Okay, That's yeah, an actual real. military video. So that might be what the big conference in Congress is going to be. It's just like, yeah, you see that? That was recorded from yeah. a fighter pilot. That's real. And it's, it's who knows? It's not going to be like, oh, the aliens are real, and here they are. Meet McGlork Glork. So, yeah. yeah. Anyways, after all that info, you're probably going to need a drink. And uh, luckily for you, there is now, apparently, a radioactive booze made from fruit grown in the soil of Chernobyl. Mm. Mm. Dredged from the waters of Lake Michigan. Is this going to turn me into a superhero? <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Chernobyl drink. Um, literally a, a plot device in Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> But uh, actually, this booze was created by scientists in order to see whether or not products derived from the area surrounding the site of the nuclear disaster are safe for human consumption. Yeah, it's lame. This shit isn't radioactive at all. Uh, they, they do say that... <laughs> They're like, it's no more radioactive than uh, any other uh, fruit or beverage. Uh, yeah, alcohol has some, like, shreds of, like, radiation, like a minuscule amount, and they're just like... but. So technically it is. I mean, everything has background radiation. Yeah. Everything. But you're going to get more radiation flying on an airplane than drinking yeah. this vodka. Yeah. Either way, drinking booze made from Chernobyl uh, fruit is one hell of a marketing gimmick. And uh, based on the end of the article, it worked. Yeah. From ABC News, a team of British and Ukrainian scientists are battling Ukraine's government in court for the return of 1,500 bottles of liquor made from radioactive apples grown near the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. The liquor, branded as Atomic, is part of a four-year experiment by scientists to see if they could produce a product safe to consume from crops grown in an area that was contaminated during the 1986 nuclear disaster at the plant. The team sourced the apples from a farmer inside the outer ring of the 18-mile exclusion zone. Around 10,000 people still live in that outer zone, and scientists hope that farming, which is still officially banned there, can now be safe to resume. Continues. The first bottle of the liquor was produced in 2019, and scientists used rye, grain, and water from the exclusion zone. This year, the scientists had hoped to ship their first batch to the United Kingdom, with profits intended to go to the local community near Chernobyl. But in March, they hit a roadblock. Ukraine's security service, the SBU, seized the bottles at a distillery plant in western Ukraine. The reason, according to Ukrainian prosecutors, wasn't radiation, but problems with the bottle's customs documents. The liquor was intended mainly as a way of drawing attention to the scientists' real work in the exclusion zone, where they have spent years studying how the landscape around Chernobyl has recovered following the disaster. The apples used in the liquor showed slightly elevated radiation levels, but were below the limit considered safe for consumption by Ukrainian law. That radiation was then filtered out in the distillation process. The spirit was expected to sell for around $50 in Britain. Scientists said they had already received a lot of interest. We're getting emails from people all over the world, Australia, U.S., Canada, France, from people saying, where can we buy some? And yeah, like, like they said, it was any radiation was removed in the distillation process, uh, yeah. but m- almost everything has a little bit. So they were like really like gonna lean into that marketing of just like I mean, technically, yeah, this is from Chernobyl and it's gonna give you superpowers. I, I think it's cool. I think I, they uh, they took it away from the distillery because they wanted a little vodka for themselves. Daddy wanted a taste. <laughs> Daddy government always wants a little bit of a taste. I mean, my understanding of it is that that area, it's like, yeah, there are like large pockets where there isn't radiation, but then there's just random pockets of 
like unusually high radiation and also like it's in the soil. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you do any kind of farming, like it's just sort of in the ground. Well, that's what they're trying to prove. That it's yeah. like that the community surrounding it can yeah. go and ahead. And these farms, I believe they're like on the very, very edge of the exclusion zone. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't fucking right next to uh, the reactor. Yeah. Anyways, finally today, uh, if you had any shred of hope for humanity left, folks, the Paul brothers would like to have a word. Specifically, once again, Jake Paul, who has committed Logan Paul erasure over the past couple of years. Yeah. Now, apparently, Jake Paul illegally drove a golf cart on a beach in Puerto Rico and potentially crushed any number of rare and protected turtle eggs. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's I shouldn't laugh. It's just it's so it's so like cartoon villain that it's like, how is this even possible? Like it's I mean, in the hierarchy of like animals that people respect and revere, like sea turtles, sea turtles. Uh, it's like sea turtles and elephants. Are we had to get rid of plastic straws, the whole country <laughs> for these fucking sea turtles. <laughs> He's just <"Rah!" laughs> horrible. Yeah, uh, it, it, this, of course, resulted in an investigation launched by Puerto Rico's Department of Natural and Environmental Resources. Quote, I have ordered an investigation to determine the circumstances surrounding the use of two motor vehicles on beaches that are presumed to be in Puerto Rico, Secretary Rafael Machargo said. Some media have published today a video of the influencer Jake Paul in a motor vehicle on the beach, an activity that is prohibited apart from law enforcement agencies. He added that Paul's actions are, quote, prohibited by law to protect the environment and the species that can nest or live on the beaches. Again, comically villainous. Like, you constantly are like, what what worse could either of the Paul brothers do? And just, like, using a golf cart or an ATV to just rip donuts on top of endangered fucking eggs on a beach, it's... It sounds so far out of the out, the realm of possibility that it is humorous to hear that they've actually done it. Yeah, it's it's like if you were writing like onion headlines about Jake Paul. Yeah, Jake Paul com- does like ecological uh, terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> ecological terrorist Jake Paul. Yeah. Now Jake Paul deleted the video. Got obviously, a little got yeah. a little bit of backlash, <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously people saved it uh, before that. Um, sorry, you can't. The evidence is out there. And I, uh, you know what, I'm. I would typically show it because it exists on social media and it would add to the storytelling. But at this point, I'm kind of nervous that Triller mm. would come after us for a yeah. video that Jake Paul million sh- <laughs> shot on a beach. Somehow they own it. I- I'm telling you. Anyway, insider.com reached out to uh, whichever Paul did this <laughs> for comment. Uh, so far, they haven't heard back. Committing Logan Paul erasure by being a bigger douchebag for longer. What if it turns out like Floyd Mayweather is just like really a big fan of sea turtles? It's like they're beautiful, majestic creatures. It's they like, never did anything. Wrong. It's like Mike Tyson and pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have five sea turtles. He's going to. The problem is he's fighting Logan Paul. But even he is confused about who he's fighting. Yeah. Because he got into it with Jake Paul and got his hat stolen or whatever. Nobody knows these two. White the, people all look the same. <laughs> they, yeah. And they both smell like mayonnaise. Yeah. Fucking Paul brothers. They don't wash their legs. Anyways, they were he was there because Logan Paul just bought a $10 million mansion in Puerto Rico, which I'm sure everyone there is really thrilled about. Puerto Rico, uh, I, I, I never saw like too much information about it, but uh, it apparently was one of those coronavirus like work from home getaways for a lot of Americans. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't think the people of Puerto Rico were too happy about that. We need to get, grant them statehood so we can keep the Paul brothers on a leash. Yeah. Among many other reasons. <laughs> but it, it, wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny if the way Puerto Rico was given statehood is because of ecological terrorism mm -hmm. committed by Jake Paul? Yeah. You can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Anyways... Uh, check out our most recent episodes of Weekly Weird News over here for a full rundown on the latest stuff involving Matt Gates and a bunch of insane headlines. Uh, and then an episode of News Dump, which kind of relates to this, where Ethan from H3H3 is currently being sued by Triller yeah. uh, for $50 million for uh, allegedly rebroadcasting the Jake Paul fight. Check both of those out, and we'll see you soon for Tech News Day. See you soon.